You're not even in it. There you go. All right, cool. Matt. Okay. Matt. And that's Melinda. Yeah, yeah. You know who the fuck I am. Maniac. You're the one who started this band. Yeah, the I think the most masochistic of all. Is that like maniac, maniac? She's a maniac? No, it's like maniac, a character on this juggalo uh documentary called that we love. It's called American Juggalo. And we like I've never seen that. As fuck. She's happy as fuck. Yeah, you, gotta, you gotta see it, though. It's a really well done little twenty minute documentary, and, and it'll make you like it'll make you like these people. Just for the record, we will play the gathering of Juggalos at any point in time. If we were asked, we would like, we would totally do it. Given a chance, where do you where are you where are you right now? I am in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, right on. That's my only question. As evidenced by do, my oh, because you drink that fizzy water. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, I drink the generic fizzy water from Costco. It's Costco. Oh, Costco. They make fucking rat toilet paper. Join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin in our yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you may get your podcast from. And if you have a question or want to pitch something, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And there is also a Patreon that you can support for additional episodes and whatnot. You can find that over at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. Joining us for this week's chapter is Eight Bells out of Portland, Oregon. They have a brand new album out called Legacy of Ruin. It came out on February 25th. And we've got Brian, Melinda, and Matt all in house with us tonight. So it's cool to have the whole band here in one room to boot. Yeah, it's weird. We do that twice a week. <laughs> well, I'm used to people like kind of phoning in from different spots and whatnot. So it's cool to to see y'all hanging out in one spot together. Oh, wait, I guess we could have done that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think that. I was like, you motherfuckers have to come to my house. <laughs> I only live like, like uh, pouring rain right now. I could do with a little rain uh, because my allergies are fucking out the wazoo. Uh -oh. mm. um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, obviously, with the new album out and everything, you know, before all that and leading up to it, um, Colin, what are your individual experiences with music? Did you all have musical backgrounds or musical upbringings, rather, or was it something that you found on your own? Who wants to start? Matt will go first. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I started playing music, playing guitar, like, I think I was 10, so 28 years ago. And I had always been, like, my, my dad is a really big <clears throat> music fan, so there was always, you know, typical story. Music was a big part of, like, my childhood, listening to, like, Steely Dan and Eagles and all that shit, so... I kind of gravitated toward rock because of that. And then I started playing because of uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I saw a live performance that he did called Live at the Elmo Combo. And it like absolutely shattered my brain. Because I, I, you know, up until that point, I like knew about guitar. I was like, okay, you strum this thing and it sounds kind of pretty. But like, if you if you watch that footage, that, that dude is like absolutely murdering that guitar in every way, shape and form. And I, I, it just like blew my mind to the point where I was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta play something like that. I, I still can't do so, anything to that level, but it, it, it definitely inspired me to like play electric and like explore, you know, different sides of the guitar. And then, you know, as I got older, I'd started listening to more heavy music. Some dudes in junior high introduced me to like Pantera. And then I found, you know, old Metallica and it was just off to the races from there. Minus, minus the new metal phase in high school, you know, but can't be held accountable for that. I was, I was the ripe age for new metal. Never so. forget where you come That's from. Exactly, exactly. Some of it still holds. Oh, up. never. Not, not a lot. But, but yeah, that's you still have your. Uh, you still have like your your belt pants or I forget what they're called. <laughs> Jinko, my Jinkos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no. But uh, did you have those? No, I, I do wish I had some more. Some of the old shirts that I used to rock, like the old corn shirts and. Maybe I had an ICP one here and there, but I can't remember. Anyway. Brian? Yeah, yeah it was in the family. Like I, My grandmother played music. My great-grandmother uh, played drums. Her claim to fame was she played enough swing uh, drums in the 20s to re-carpet her house. <laughs> so I've got a couple cousins that play, so I think it's in the blood without a doubt, but... I was in sixth grade and you either had to take band or choir and I took band and of course wanted to play snare drum and uh, I would sit it, set it up and hit the snare drum and pretend like I had everything else and finally managed to get a kit and it's, it's been history ever since. It's definitely something I need to do. And now we're on you. Yeah, so I played clarinet in high school band then I got kicked out of band for behavior issues and which weren't even that big of a fucking deal Are you like talking honestly <laughs> yeah well, i would play jingles at inappropriate <laughs> times That's so i was playing like stupid jingles or i don't know i don't I'm inappropriate jingle yeah <laughs> and it was weird it was also weird for me because i would have to they they had the thing where you challenge you're, you know, whoever's in front of you chair-wise with like a piece of music and whoever plays it best gets to move into the next chair. And so I was always battling with this girl for first chair in the me medium band. There was like shitty band, medium band, and the best band in my high school. And then, but ultimately I just kind of like couldn't, you know, I got kicked out. So anyway... <laughs> Um, I didn't play any music for a long time and then found a weird, it was a weird harmony guitar that had like a big spring whammy thing on it and a couple pedals and I, I got them. And then that's when I started playing guitar pretty much. I think at one point 
I had a classical guitar that I was, you know, I think I tried to have lessons for a short time when I was 16 or something. And then I didn't. And so I didn't really start until I was probably 23 or something like that. Late bloomer. The only music that was in our house was music when there were parties in my, in our house. So, and that was my parents, you know, they played fifth, like fifties music and party. They had dance parties and stuff. So I was pretty influenced by that stuff and in, in, in wanting to play music. That Lion Sleeps Tonight song I listened to over and over and over. And I was a big <laughs> fan of the toys. So there was nobody who played music though, or any did any kind of art. It was just like straight up blue collar working people. And when did you discover heavy music and or heavy metal, if, if you will? What was like a gateway for you? Well, it would have to be all that like 80s hair shit, really, because I, all I had was radio and there was, you know, I was an only child. I had no older brothers or sisters, so there wasn't really anybody sharing anything with me. And it was just me like changing the radio dial. So it would be radio metal like Def Leppard and stuff like that. More current kind of stuff, I would suppose. You know, I spent my 20s sort of immersed in psychedelia and like Krautrock and psychedelia. And then um i would say somewhere in my you know and i played in subarachnoid space for a really long time but then i started wanting to have more kind of put together songs that were heavier so i would say you know i started wanting to play what we're playing now in 2010 ish of 20 you know that other the previous band was kind of migrating that way very slowly anyway and i was listening to more metal i would i would think in my 30s something like that do you have like anything like anything in the way of an album that you would say like the landmark for you? I mean, I'd be interested to hear from all three of you. An album or albums. Sonic Youth, uh, Evil was a hugely important album for me. Um, I listened to Steve Bright, that piece. I think it's called Music for Sixteen Musicians. I listened to that over and over. Beach Boys. Um, I listened to to. Uh, Metallica early on Ride the Lightning was, was a favorite. I never thought that I wanted to play any of that music. I listened to Opeth records over and over, Enslaved. I I would say maybe Enslaved was kind of a gateway for me to do what we're doing right now because of the way they sort of mix mix things up and have a cool melodic, you know, melodic and heavy quality. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, I got to I mean... stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, they kind of like evolved from crusty metal, black metal band to like weird folk, pr epic prog stuff, you know? A friend of and mine calls so them. So, like, the, I, I kind of hear that. A friend of mine calls them the Pink Floyd of uh, black metal. It seems apt, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, is like most people my age, it was, it was all about Metallica. Um, so I had the Black Album came out when I was like, I don't know, seventh grade, sixth grade. And so I heard Enter Sandman 10 million times on the radio. And I was like, OK, well, this is awesome. And so I had my mom take me to Blockbuster Music, which, you know, definitely doesn't exist. Blockbuster anymore. Music. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, got uh, got my CD copy of the Black Album. And I got it. I've told this story before, but I got to credit this guy working at Blockbuster because he he took the CD from me. He's like, ah, oh, dude, you don't want, he's like, he's like, ah, oh, dude, you don't want this one, man. You got to get the old stuff. I was like, well, what do you mean? 
And he's like, you got to get master of puppets, bro. And so he upsold me. <laughs> Luckily, my mom was like, okay, I guess we can get another CD. So I got two that day. I got Black Album and Master of Puppets. You never listened to the Black Album <laughs> No, again. I did. I loved it. Oh. But like, I also was like, you know, enamored with Master of Puppets. So even though it, it was several years after that album came out, I'd say those two were like total game changers for me. Another one was Far Beyond Driven, uh, Pantera. My friend Scott in seventh grade gave me a copy of it in math class. And uh, it scared the crap out of me at first because, uh, you know, it starts with man, 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 it's like that really fast. Like, I forget the first song called, but what, what the first song is called, but it totally like scared me. But something about it kind of the grooves of the other songs hooked me. And then, you know, I started getting used to Phil's like kind of screaming style and that got me used to heavier stuff. So I would say, yeah, for sure, Far Beyond Driven that's pretty interesting everybody everybody has like other kids turning them on to metal as kids i love that not me no, <laughs> no one did that for me i was like fuck i like def leppard and rat <laughs> i still like def leppard never forget i need to have actual friends some more burnout kids you gotta find them i didn't have any friends <laughs> that's true right <laughs> I don't know. I think a standout moment for me was I, I also have the hair rock. I was a small town kid. I'd watch MTV and you'd see something heart more hard hitting or whatever, like Def Leppard. And that was that was Guns and Roses. You thought, oh, what the yeah, fuck? that was a game changer. Like, oh, man, these guys cuss and shit. You know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, my friend gave me the new faster pussycat tape oh. and he stole his older brother's tape and recorded over it well his older brother's tape was garage days re-revisited and so i listened to the faster pussycat tape yeah whatever. it's cool and then there was still crash course and brain surgery and last caress green hell was still left on the on the metallica recording and that was just like what the hell was that? <laughs> rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind, play. And I was a, a small town kid, so I called it Metallica. It oh, shit. People did that grade. in my town, too. <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> I love like, it. Dude, what is this shit? Like, I got something to say. I killed. What the? Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty funny. That's what got me from. That's, that was my crossover point. And I bought And Justice for All right when it came out. And, because they had it at the Kmart, strangely, in Wyoming and whatever, 89, whenever that record came out. Dang. That's pretty interesting because we're both from tiny towns and we both thought, you know, radio, we were both like about yeah. radio metal. Yeah, where yeah. else are you going to hear it? It's like, yeah. yeah, you can't hear anything. So I would, I would go between that and like, you know, vocoder R&B. Yeah. <laughs> that rules too. Yeah. I also wow, I love that thing. you found like this bizarre fucking I, just mutation of a tape that went yeah. from this yeah. to like and to, to metallica covering the misfits or what it was the it was the misfits yeah, yeah. metallica covering the misfits uh, right okay, last okay, okay, visited. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay 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 it's the oh, last awesome. two songs on on the album in there yeah that i think it's like half of crash course and brain surgery isn't, it wasn't the whole thing isn't bread fan by budgie on that too yeah uh, yeah on that one i had yeah, that tape i had that tape too oh yeah okay that's right it is on that's the first awesome. one is there two of those garage yeah, days they come out re and re re they did one in like the late <laughs> 90s. 
Rihanna stole her fucking name. No, Bob Seger. Oh man, I'll I'll never forget. Oh, Metallica's Bob Seger cover that was just like all over the place for so. Here I am. Terrible. And it's like the worst shit anyway, originally. I do kind of like that Tuesday song. <laughs> that Skinner song. Major digs against Bob Seeger tonight. <laughs> Hot takes. It's a bummer. He's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I've never heard someone refer to him as a bummer. <laughs> it's a fucking bum deal, dude. He does a lot of whining. He kind of whines about being a musician a lot. Yeah, he's a crybaby. Mm-hmm. Manly crybaby. <laughs> Have you all, has it always been like situated out of Portland? It started in Portland. And like, you know, Portland's such a rich scene and this podcast is no stranger to featuring people from that area or neighboring Pacific Northwest scene like Seattle and kind of define your sound as like experimental black and doom or what have you. Maybe the press did that. Kind of seems like a proper, you know, crossover, and it would thrive in that environment with the fucking rain and the mist and the ambiance and all that. But uh, you kicked it off in 2010. So, like, can you talk about how the band got started? So, Subarachnoid Space was coming to an end, and I was tired of, I was kind of tired of doing it, to be honest, and wanted to do something heavier and more you know song or like more more song oriented the the last subarachnoid space stuff had songs but they were you know i don't know i guess i wanted to have a band that could get to the point and and i think i'm i feel like i'm personally still working on that uh because i have a tendency to make things really long um or want to do things i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> i know but um also the drummer from subarachnoid space had had a problem with addiction and sort of disappeared for a while and then moved here to Portland and got clean and sober. And I wanted to play with him still, but I didn't want to, we, we didn't want to do subarachnoid space anymore. So we made up eight bells and eight bells is the final album that subarachnoid space made. Oh, so it was like just sort of a natural launching point transition kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was weird. There was a lot of things that made it seem to make sense because the band, so the album was called Eight Bells and then Eight Bells on a ship is like the end of a shift, beginning of another shift. That's usually four hour shifts. You get eight bells. So there was that. And then oh. I also felt bad about that Kentucky Derby horse that died named Eight Bells. All of that was kind of around like, a you know. I was going to ask, like, is there any kind of running theme in your work and like specifically about nautical things? Because to me, I when I was listening to the records, I kind of felt like the captain's daughter is like the beginning and then landless is kind of like an intermediate sort of thing. And maybe now Legacy of Rune is the final act of this trilogy or maybe that's just like total galaxy brain nonsense. Um, well, I had kind of like thought before, like when I was thinking about what legacy of rune would be i had thought that maybe this character that was lost at sea would be would have you know come to land so i wasn't yeah there was a focus on the oceanic i guess you know but now now the focus is you know people on land and destroying it 
or like maybe you would be a person who who like can't you know landed on a beach and then you walked up and to to what you find what you find right. ruined fields and fires and just a whole lot of anybody else wants to answer shit. that they can <laughs> Well, I, I wasn't around for those nautical days. <laughs> yeah, they're done. Yeah, it definitely was like I wanted to have like a sorrowful, lost, lonely thing. And I'm also like, I also really love what is that documentary? Or no, there was a movie that was uh, based on those three ships that got la- lost in the Arctic. Uh, it was like, I think it was like 18th or 19th century voyage where and they were lost out there. And they just found some of them. Anyway, I don't know. I'm a little bit. I'm, I'm interested in in that kind of a vibe, I suppose. Like lost at sea, or you know, adrift. The terror. Yes. Did you Google that? I did. I was fact checking. Yeah. So <laughs> I saw that, and then got you know, and then read about you know, read about the actual thing it's based on, and then um, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I don't know. I like that stuff. Donner party, count me in. <laughs> that stuff is so good. Like, I'll, sometimes I'll like not think about it for a while, so I can reread about it. Yeah. <laughs> you got a book on it? Yeah. I'll totally want to read it. Yeah. But since you started the band uh, in 2010, uh, so you know you've been kicking it for <clears throat> over a decade at this point, like. The band has changed a lot. You know, the lineup has shifted a lot. The, the lineup that I'm looking at right now is not the one that was around uh, when it started or in in between. You know, what do you think is like, what do you feel has changed a lot for the band? Like, has the dynamic shifted? Because, you know, the sound, I mean, your sound is there for sure, but I can definitely tell that it does change and evolve and kind of, tonally and sonically adjust to like whoever's in the room i suppose well yeah because people it's collaborative so people bring them bring their own kind of sounds and ideas to it it's closer now to what i had wanted it to be than it ever has been so yeah there's going to be an uh, evolution that happens as you you know it changing lineups is almost like some kind of forced evolution <laughs> you know but yeah i mean i feel like i'm happier now with it than i have been since it started this record is kind of interesting because like I, maybe like half the songs when i joined were either fully written or in some form of completion so you know they had a certain dynamic before i joined the band and then i joined and kind of like we wrote some songs together, but I also worked with them on the songs that already existed. So it's kind of like this hybrid of like old eight bells and you know new eight bells, or I guess current eight bells. It's uh it's interesting because we didn't like start from scratch like a lot of bands will. Okay, it's a new record time and time to write a whole batch of songs. These songs were kind of in flux in a way, uh, save for like a two or three that we wrote together. Yeah, like. Right. for new parts i wrote new guitar stuff but the guitar parts you know those were kind of like in the works since like 2016 or so i would say yeah it's pretty interesting and like you know other people who were involved would 
cease to be involved and then it would be sort of like a lot to me it felt like a loss of momentum and there were times when i was afraid i was just going to lose caring for the songs at all but these guys helped a lot and brian stuck with me through a lot of it brian was there with for the beginnings of these songs weren't you yeah you except know, maybe one or two torpid dreamer was was when uh crone you guys had started. yeah yeah, so so he was there through a lot of the changing membership in the band too. I guess I didn't start to hate the songs as much as I thought I might. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, like it was just so frustrating because I was like, ah, I can't do it all myself. You know, I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't want to. You know, like, and also I, it's fun for me to interact with people and in playing music it, i've never been one of those people that wants to sit down and and write a whole song um myself or be a solo artist i like the interplay like what people how people inspire each other and to play together so yeah. did i answer the question even yeah absolutely i, I digress a little bit sometimes Bands that's okay open. and it's encouraged mm -hmm. What'd you say, Brian? I was gonna say that the band seems like we're always open to new ideas. You know, it's 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 always growing, and if someone has an idea, it's always <coughs> welcome. And sometimes it's awesome, sometimes it isn't. Whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the well that song Matt came in and wrote an entire transition for it between parts, which which in and of itself became like you know it made the whole song better. And it's kind of, it turned out, this transition almost turned out to be sort of a high point in the song. It's really interesting to me how that worked out. And I was really happy, I'm really happy about how that worked out. I mean, I think it's a really dynamic album, you know, for a band comprising of just three people, you know. And it was, I mean, it's not like you didn't have any help, you know, beyond yourselves because it was produced by Billy Anderson and he's obviously like fucking a master of perfecting loudness he is he's also a master at handling bass but he's just he's just the master yeah, he's invaluable i mean yeah. I, I really try to like stress it every time someone asks like he was basically like a fourth member of the band throughout yes. this whole thing and uh you know i've worked with him in the past on another <clears throat> uh, band i was in previously and it's the same deal he's just um he's so goddamn professional and yet like just your friend at the same time it's really rare like it's usually one or the other like you might get a, a producer who's really good at like you know nailing down the the specifics but he's kind of an asshole or like you don't really want to hang out with him but billy is just like the nicest guy in the world and he's also like he won't stop until the record's done like we we ran out of time with him like way before we you know we should have been had to stop you know money wise and he was just like no we'll we'll just work at my house until it's done and that's you know you don't see that often so billy was a huge huge part of this album and how it sounds and how it came out and everything about it yeah we didn't know that we were gonna have to use the live takes for the guitars as scratch and i was gonna have to redo all the guitars in the actually in the in the studio after we did the live tra tracking. Uh, and so that added a lot of time onto things. <laughs> so some of that, some of that is my fault. Cause I just didn't, I don't think, 
you know, I, every time I plan, try to plan studio days, I, I think, oh, this time it's going to be plenty of time. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It seems like also as you get more into producing an album, it takes more, you know, it just takes more time. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, except that Billy seems to really understand exactly the nuance that I want and that I imagine. Um, and he's he's really good at working in a group. Uh, and he's also good at being like at, at saying no about something uh, without making you feel like crap. Yeah, he's an old friend for a long time. I love, I would, I've been trying to get him on or um, this podcast. Uh, so hopefully I can do that. I'd love to pick that. He's super brain. fun to talk to. Yeah, you probably Yeah, do. he's just a busy dude. Yeah. On this one, were you trying to exhibit any kind of specific sound or tone more than previously? Or were you just like kind of open to seeing where things could go? I felt like on this one, there was a bit more of a mix of styles ranging from like, black metal tremolo riffs to like you know slow kind of classic doomy or ambient uh sort of atmospheric metal riffs and there's even some more just straight up ambient brian eno stuff the captain's daughter i kind of felt like almost had like some blind idiot god sort of dub bass in there i don't know maybe i'm just like hearing shit <laughs> it wasn't on purpose i don't think that was on purpose the first one was mixed cool. and recorded and it was mixed and it was like recorded in four days and mixed in four days. No overdubs. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. So you can definitely hear it changing over the albums in terms of how much production was put in it. I think we just wanted to nail the dynamics on this one. Cause there's a lot, like you said, there's kind of like, there's a lot going on. So um, quiet loud is, is only one, you know, aspect of it there's a lot of like mood changes color changes if you will um mm -hmm. so i think that's what we were kind of focused on sonically making sure the heavy shit was just absolutely crushing and making sure the pretty stuff was uh, you know as beautiful as it could be a lot of that came from the guest instrumentation that we had violin and piano from our friend uh, from our friends here in portland but yeah sonically i think that's what we were going for just like making it sound as crushing and beautiful as possible, which is easier said than done sometimes, but Billy is like a master at that, that uh, dynamic. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun layering doing yeah. layer, a lot of layering on it and textures. Yeah. I think this is like probably the most layering I've done on a record. I've, I think I've, I've made like six or seven records at this point with various projects, but I've never like taken as much time of like, Oh, let's add 14 guitar tracks on this thing, <laughs> all doing different stuff and like hiding little things here and there. You know, not necessarily hiding them to hide them, but like we all subliminal. Yeah, we all collectively can like kind of hear certain things. And we had the benefit of being able to work at Billy's house. So there wasn't like a studio clock we were watching, like, you got to get the fuck out of here. So we were able to kind of experiment with uh, synth stuff and different like guitar textures i did some stuff on the bass that i wasn't expecting so yeah it was cool to have that extra that extra time to layer in terms of like band experiences and whatnot you know do you have any particularly cool or gnarly horror stories i mean i think we can exclude the last couple of years from bad band experiences i mean like as as eight bells 
it could be for eight bells or if you've had a uh, previously uh, unique touring story that works too. I'd love to hear everything about that. Well, the weird thing about us is we literally have not played live together. Yeah, Matt's never played <laughs> with us live yet. I joined the band two years ago, maybe even more, late 2019. We had to cancel our first show that was going to be with Matt because uh, the pandemic started. So, yeah, and then we this did a record and then now it's like shows are starting to come back in portland and we're starting to talk about do, doing stuff but we yeah, have we, one show booked yeah in june i guess the craziest thing we had to deal with was like the wildfires that so i mean yeah. the pandemic was, yeah. one, was one thing but you know we are used to a certain level of fire you know season around here on the west coast but la last year was it last year I have no concept of time anymore. 2020? No, yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah. 20, so like summer, <laughs> fall 2020 was a horrendous fire season up here. Like You couldn't breathe. Literally the worst air quality on the Yeah, I saw some of the pictures. It was, it was it worse was than China. I mean, it looked like yeah. the end of the world in parts of it. I mean, yeah. the, that was also in California too, but up, up in uh, your neck of the woods, like, oof. Yeah, it was really bad, and we, Melinda and I, had to sing, so we had our vocal time booked, and it, you know, Bill, like we've talked about before, Billy is a busy guy, and we were lucky to be able to get him for the time that we were able to get him for, and then some, but we had to do this, we had to sing, so like, uh, at a time when a lot of people were just not even leaving their houses, like my wife didn't, we were like, taping all the doors shut because like you could smell smoke inside your house people were buying uh what do you call those uh, air filters like uh, the air purifiers they were sold out everywhere everyone had them going in their house and at a time when you know we probably should have been hunkered down melinda and i had to drive over to billy's every day for like a week straight and sing and try not to like get our fucking you know try, try to like protect our mouth and nose going anywhere because we had to like be able to Breathe. sing properly on a goddamn album that we were recording and it's like <laughs> it's just like what next man like you know <laughs> it's weird when you have an apocalyptic album and it seems like it's happening as you're as you're recording it right i mean just against the backdrop of a fucking global pandemic social unrest especially in portland too and oh, then yeah. the wildfires. I mean, it was just like a perfect storm of fucking shit going on to be the backdrop for this album that you're making. Yeah, yeah. it really was. All, all those riots were happening while we were recording. I'm just now remembering. You remember that guy came in, yes. like a studio? Oh, yeah. Oh, worked, my God. I forgot about that. Mash unit. Yeah, one of the guys <laughs> who worked at the studio came in and he was at the protest and he was like, he was like, look what they did to me. And he got like hit with a spike or something like that like his arm some yeah. someone some crowd uh -huh. or some other people fucked him up to the point where his arm was like gashed open he yeah. really needed stitches but he was kept saying he was going to go back he wasn't going to go to the hospital he did go and get yeah. stitches yeah. it was really fun and we were like all right time to butterfly stitches on it. yeah <laughs> he was trying to get us to put butterfly <laughs> stitches on it and brian was like holding his wound closed while i was trying oh, to put yeah. the put the butterfly bandages on yeah. there and i was like you know you really should go to the hospital <laughs> i don't know you know like and then it's just like all right back to let's let's try to get another take of nader it's like what yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
just an average day doing vocal takes and uh, patching up the wounded from fucking neo fascists. Yeah. They look pretty nuts. I mean, we blasted through it. It's like yeah, at a certain point, you just kind of have to shake your head. It's like, what else can can the universe throw at us? But hey, we got it done, right? I do yeah. have a terrible tour story. The worst thing that ever happened: getting detained at the Mexico Arizona border. That was worse oh, than boy. Oh God. So that, yeah, the, the, that Voivod tour was great, but it was also like full of freak accidents and weird, weird stuff. Cause I blew out my knee during that tour as well. So like, I, I would say that because of the physical pain that maybe, maybe that's the worst having drunk guys like knock you over and dislocate your knee. That was fucking like, and it's crazy because I had, was filming away playing drums side stage. I wasn't even in the shit, right? And like these guys hit me and then my phone got dropped. And then way later I found the video on my phone and I was listening to it and I could hear myself screaming like a fucking animal on the recording. And, it, and for a while I would listen to it and just get like, it would just kind of turn my stomach. And then I was like, why do I keep listening to this and finally deleted it? Cause uh, I would just keep checking it. And be yeah, like, say we got to put that on a, on a song. Dude, I could hear myself over like the band, like uh, screaming. It was horrible. But then, you know, and then also thinking that maybe we were going to go to jail on drug charges for marijuana at, you know, at off highway. Is it 10 where that happens? Probably 10, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sucked. Damn. Yeah. I got all kinds what of nightmares. So because I'm, I'm fucking doomed. Doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. What what happened That's at right. the border? We got so everybody apparently gets stopped there, and lots of people were getting stopped. And it's pretty far from the border. We weren't going to Mexico, and I had no idea that there was this border checkpoint. What like 150 miles or something? I don't know how far it was from the border. Yeah. Um, and we had been we had so far had been doing a pretty really some pretty hard driving because we were going to meet up with Voivod on the East coast. So we were taking, making these huge drives to play shows out on the way out there in as quick as possible. So we were doing just huge drives and only a few shows. So anyway, they stopped us and then they told us that the dog indicated that there was drugs in our car. And, you know, I don't, you know, this is going to be sound really weird, but I don't really smoke pot. It's like an occasional thing for me and I don't carry it with me. But apparently uh, one of my bandmates had had a, a vape pen or whatever, like sitting in the top of her purse. But the dog was nowhere near the van. So I think they were bullshitting. But anyway, um, they detained us and we thought it was over. They searched us. They took our pictures. They talked to us. Um the person who whose pot they found wouldn't admit that it was their pot and it was they did a good cop bad cop thing with us and then just decided to let us go so they let us go and we drove away and then i pulled over and got out of the van and screamed once we got far enough away for nobody to necessarily think it was weird that was the beginning of the tour too <laughs> what a way to kick it off yeah we thought it was over. Yeah, a little trauma this thirty day. Yeah, I thought I was going to go to jail, and all of our gear was going to be impounded somewhere in fucking Texas or Arizona. That is that near Texas too. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's it's like between Tucson and Texas. Yeah, I think they might take you to El Pat. I don't know. El Pat, yeah. They El Pat. they take you to like a Texas jail from there if you get put in jail. 
And the craziest thing is, is that another bandmate had a shitload of pot that she bought in Oregon in the bottom of her sleeping bag all rolled up. That's probably what the dog smelled. Yeah, I don't know. But we didn't, I didn't know that and she didn't say anything. And then we had that later. So that, that was kind of interesting. I was playing at Psycho Las Vegas, a positive experience. That's actually how I found out about you. I, they made like the playlists for the festival every year. And I was like, oh, this band's pretty fucking cool. That first year was a fucking whirlwind though. That was insanity for us. Um, was it a positive experience? Well, I mean, I'm not a huge so. fan of Las Vegas <laughs> at all. God, it's a record deal. Yeah, yeah. but but <laughs> it happened it just so happened that Martin, who owns Prophecy, was there and saw us and then asked us if we wanted to put out a record with Prophecy and then also hung out and was just like a really fun guy who was super excited about music. So that, that part was good. I mean, it's good. I'm just not a huge fan of Las Vegas and I got pretty burnt by the end of it. Um, it was fun though. We did our own thing. We went to the cafeteria all the time. Yeah. We spent some time in the employee cafeteria and like I hid in the room on the day we played because like all the smoking indoors um, just being surrounded by cigarette smoke had me almost yeah, forced. Yeah, I mean, I was smoking, but not inside. You know, I'm not accustomed to like constantly breathing smoke, and it was it was pretty gnarly. Um, uh, so I just hid in the room and tried to rest, and it still was. It, you know, I don't know. Festival sets are pr always a can be a little bit challenging. So, I mean, I felt really lucky to have been asked to play that. And it really did lead to us being able to, you know, find somebody to um, put out more music for the for the band. It took a long time after we were asked, that's for sure. <laughs> but it it happened, obviously. Well, now with the uh, with the record out and everything, are you working on anything else? Do you have plans to try and uh, take it on the road later on in the year, or maybe next year, or something like that? Um, we have a song that we're working on so far, you know, we're open to doing some touring. It kind of just depends on what the opportunity would be, you know, um, we're planning to do a festival. It's called Litha Cascadia in June, which should be fun. Like I'm down to do stuff. I'm ready to do things. It'd be good. Yeah. It's been a while. And I guess, like, how are things now in, uh, since, like, life sort of coming back to music and whatnot, like, how are things now in the Portland area? Because, like, it got, like I said before, it got hit pretty hard, just as, like, a lot of other areas did between everything. So, like, what, how is everything going down out there these days now? Like, have, have most of the venues survived? Seems like it. Yeah, I mean... We started going. We 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 all went to see Emulation a couple of weeks ago. So there's tons of shows happening all the time that I see, and they don't seem to be getting shut down. So that's I, a good sign. Yeah, and I don't think that I, you know the main venues that I would have a tendency to see shows at are still going. They didn't go out of business. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I'm not sure how they survived, but um, they did. And I think that people are really excited to go to shows because you know. We haven't been able to run into each other, you know, in at a show, like you run the way you run into people. And right. I think I miss that a lot, you know, so I get pretty excited um, to go to go out to a show. And I, I feel like audiences are, are pretty happy to be there as well.
Yeah, every show I've been to has been like just good vibes. <laughs> Everyone's like, I can't fucking believe this is actually happening. Dude, yeah, awesome. it's a little weird to wear a mask, yeah, but that it's sucks. It, you know, especially if you're drinking beer, it's like, okay, well, I mean, is this really helping? But no. I'll do it. You can't get everyone knows you can't get COVID when you have a beer in your mouth. That's right. <laughs> when you have a beer yeah, in your mouth. <laughs> Cool, I'll just keep drinking those yeah, beers. Just, just keep chugging them, bro. The beers to the dome. Beers to the dome. Yeah, man, yeah, fucking man. PBR kills uh kills viruses. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't drink that bullshit. That <laughs> yeah, Portland, yeah. The arts are coming back. They have been for I would say like six months or so. I've seen I, but we just started going to, I personally just started going to shows again recently. And it's but yeah, it's been great. I mean, most people are wearing masks and Everyone's pretty respectful of each other. I feel like we have a really high vaccination rate in Portland anyway. So Yeah. And it's good to see like other stuff like movie theaters. Um, I really like this independent theater called Hollywood Theater. Oh, and, yeah. And they it's like a really old. I'm so glad they made it. Yeah, Holy shit. The they, they weren't doing shit for, I don't know, over a year. And now they're back. And it's just like awesome to see they show like old, you know, uh prints of like classic movies and also new movies and stuff so yeah just just the art scene in general and the food scene here you know is, it seems to be back so yeah i guess we made it for now yeah, yeah. i hope it i hope it doesn't shut down again yeah, i really hope that we can just you know continue to have a life i i work from home and i was so I'm, i was working from home and sitting at home and it started to drive me nuts like it has driven i'm still feeling a little nuts about it i'm like can we go like on a hiking trail now because it was just a whole thing like you couldn't even really be near anyone or something you know and i yeah. like and so everybody thought well i'm gonna go hike because outside you're you know it's good and and uh well everybody did that so <laughs> you know so it was a little bit weird a little isolated i, I definitely was getting affected by all the isolation yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, at least you have that aspect of it. I mean, I, I spent most of my time uh, in an apartment or uh, in an apartment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm envious yeah. of that, to, of that to some degree. But I'm glad things are turning around out there. My girlfriend went to college out in Portland, and we've been wanting to get out there or again, me for the first time. And uh, there's a lot of cool people out there. Like everyone I've spoken to has been super fucking cool out there. Like you have a really good fan base. Out. I, would, I don't even know if you would call it like a fan base, but like at least you have a good scene out there. Just seem very supportive, inclusive. I don't know. Everyone seems cool. It is. I always kind of marveled at that when I moved to Portland. Like, uh, like how kind of like nice, nice everybody is. And and especially to play to a crowd that is is supportive you know it feels good and and i noticed that and i've played in front of crowds in maybe like every state almost uh, but there's a certain feel here you know yeah. still no even even though you know it's getting more expensive and all the issues that we have in portland it's still where i want to be yeah i mean i can relate it's kind of like that and being in new york you know it's a fucking sure. cool happening city and we're obviously blessed with the opportunity to see a ton of cool bands roll through town because there's so many venues but you know it's a hub it's gonna have its problems too yeah 
Yeah, you guys got to deal with weather. I mean, we just have to deal with rain and the occasional firestorm that tries to kill us. <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's not true. Every, about twice a year, we get an ice storm yeah, that ice absolutely storm. fucks us up for like a week. I've seen videos of the legendary ice storm. Yeah, it's because the city is not prepared for it. Like in New York, you guys are prepared. There's no use in spending money infrastructurally on something that happens twice a year, maybe. So it, they just let it happen. And they're like, sometimes it's really bad and sometimes it's okay. But... I mean, they should at least sand shit. They yeah, don't even well, sand the roads. They but, do a lot of things. But, but I mean, I was on tour in January on the northeast coast, you know, and we left uh, a morning. We, we were in Connecticut and left to drive in a morning after it had snowed, like, I don't know, a foot or something. And I was like, oh, we're going to be fucked. And then we get out there and it's like, the road is fine. Yeah, they're like, like I was that. kind of blown away yeah. by that. I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Because I like snow, you know? I just don't want to die in it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, have you ever been on crutches in the ice? That's fun. No, but that sounds terrible. <laughs> that was such a fun time. <laughs> Have you been listening yeah. to anything else uh, of note lately, whether it's new or old or something you've just discovered? Hooded Menace? I don't know. I, there's a, I see a Hooded Menace shirt over there. I think I got this as a package with the new uh, vinyl. Oh, new stuff. Hmm. There's an album coming out next month. So I write for Decibel Magazine. I don't know if you know that, but I, uh, I get Oh, awesome. So you get promo. Yeah, I get promo copies of stuff and it's, you know, so sometimes I'm able to like really dig into something before it comes out. So I will take this opportunity to say that the new Nechachwin album um, is absolutely fucking incredible. Virginian uh, black metal, West Virginia. Uh, one of the Virginians. Wow. Black metal band. Um, two guys, uh, Native American lyrical themes and content because the guy who writes all the music is uh, part, you know, Native American. Fucking I feel ass. like I've been seeing promo about this. It's so good. It's uh -oh. called Koana Black. I mean, I really like their last album, Heart of Akamon, is one of my favorite records probably the last 10 years. And that came out six years ago. So they have taken their sweet time to come out with this new one, kind of like us. But uh it's it's phenomenal. When 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 you see it, if you see it come across your way uh, in the next month or so, it, the new Nichach one is just so fucking good. I really like the new Immolation record. I mean, those guys always put out killer stuff. Always, you know, kind of like, you know exactly that it sounds like Immolation, but they put a little bit of a new spin on their shit every time. Always very evil sounding, which I appreciate. Author and Punisher, new album. I love. Like, I yeah, love that album. Too. I don't know why it gives me a feeling like Veteran of the Psychic Wars or something. I don't know. <laughs> exactly why it doesn't sound like it it's just a feeling yeah new shape of despair album yeah. is really really good um they're like a really sad crushing funeral doom so finnish right yeah from finland so if you know if it's raining or shitty outside it's like the perfect soundtrack just so sad like even sadder than our than our album if you want to feel sad all the time i kind of like it <laughs> it's like you can uh, you don't necessarily have to feel sad in your personal life, but you can tap into that through listening to certain music. And I don't know, I kind of feel that way about our record that we just made. It's like it's pretty fucking sad in a lot of parts, but there's something like healthy about that in an art form. Like you can watch a sad movie and 
listen to a sad song and sort of tap into those feelings, but not necessarily dwell in them. I mean, they say so much sad yeah. songs. Yeah. I mean, shit. <laughs> you, you didn't get my joke. I did. <laughs> songs say so much. Terrible. I don't know. I think it helps you not feel alone. You know, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that like somebody who writes a sad song is the only person in the world that feels sad. If you write sad songs for people, maybe they can, it's like commiserate, you can you know, commiserate sort of. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to that for sure. Because there's nothing worse than like being sad and feeling like just nobody is there to help you. You know, you're like, you feel just like rudderless. So if you can tap into some art, you're like, okay, well, I mean, I still feel like shit, but at least this, at least this person at least, feels yeah, worse. At least this band from Finland <laughs> feels way worse than I do. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's healthy. I mean, I, I also listen to tons of non-sad music. I fucking listen to Sade all day, every day. Sade rules. Uh, what do you listen to, Brian? Goddamn right. Yeah, Brian, what are you rocking now, dude? It doesn't have to be new. It could be whatever you, you've been enjoying. The tapes you just got. Yeah, right. <laughs> just found an old, massive collection of cassette tapes at a Goodwill for 18 cents each. And it was like basically my tape collection from, you know, 1992. All kinds of awesome thrash, old school thrash on it. King Diamond. King Diamond Testament. Wow. And I've got a tape player in my car. That's killer. <laughs> Jamming the tapes. I remember when, like, recently I was like, oh, wow, they don't even have CD players in cars anymore. Yeah, mine doesn't. I don't I still like, have one, but not the tape. Plug-in device. You want to have CD cases and shit clacking around in your car all the time. <laughs> I got to get one of those big folders that you the get, book? get stolen from your car. Yeah. <laughs> or you can get, like, <laughs> yeah. a danger in the trunk. Oh, that's, that's the lap of luxury right there. <laughs> My car's a 2004 with a tape player. Were they even... I don't know. Is it the stock one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's rad. Must have got the last it's like the version. last, yeah, yeah right. Last one. That's awesome. Yeah, my car we is full of fucking CDs and I just it is now permanently staying at my mom's place in New Jersey. So if she ever gets pulled over, they're gonna have to inquire about the really weird death metal albums that are sitting in there that i don't ever listen to uh and why they're asking about about that dude who should be president on the bumper sticker <laughs> you know holler in we're just about wrapped up here uh maniacs looking tired oh uh, you know what i'm i'm old dude i'm tired i'm ready to go <laughs> I'm, ready to, I'm ready to get in the recliner and just you know gel <laughs> I'm gonna go do that. We'll play Half Life Two. But before we go, um, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Obviously, new record. Check it out. Bye. Prophecy Productions put out a really good uh, vinyl version, gatefold, beautiful packaging. So I know a lot of people collect vinyl, um, so it's really a nice, a nice one to get. You should also check out the band Illudium uh, that Prophecy put out. Yeah. Ash of the Womb. They put out lots of really interesting stuff. It's it's a you know it's a pretty big honor to be on their label. They've released a ton of amazing stuff in the past, and they continue to do so. So uh, yeah, we're we're stoked to be part of the Prophecy uh, Fold, and um, 
yeah, I'll say just uh, check it out anywhere it's it's available uh, to listen to or purchase. That would greatly help us as a small little Portland band. And we hope to uh, play live in your city at some point. Possibly will happen I'm this year. Rad. I know. I want to come to the East Coast again. It's super fun to tour over there because it's short drives. So you can you can actually like have breakfast or like hang hang out a little bit or sleep late if you need to. You know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good going that way. Um, I I have tended to every tour I've ever done pretty much like would be would be something like starting in Chicago or like yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So you just the West Coast is really nice and easy and fun too. But I really like getting to getting over to the East Coast. I'd like to get like south south more southeast. That'd be fun. Florida. Yeah, Florida. <laughs> we went to Florida on the Voivod tour. It was crazy because it was freezing, and then we woke. Like I was asleep, and then I woke up, and it was hot, and I was like, "This is nuts." Yeah, I'm sure it was like ten levels of disgusting. I, Florida's weird, um, but I, Florida's I, not I, weird. I, Florida's fucked up. It, it's a pretty weird feeling there, you know. It just seems I don't know. D damp. Yeah, no, it's like moist, it's just, moist, it's just, moist. Yeah, it's just, it's a place where you go if you want to chafe. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like birth all those death metal bands in the nineties. That's true. Yeah, that's that's so weird, right? Okay. I remember Florida was getting. Yeah, I remember it too. Hearing about it, like you know, Florida monstrosity. They were they were just sweating, playing death metal. Yeah, what good. kind of rehearsal space do you have in Florida? Just like a U-Haul. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a fucking storage yeah, space. Just a storage room. They did. They have the storage shit that a lot of those bands jammed in. I can't even imagine dealing with that heat. Anything else? I mean, obviously, you can hit up April's Bandcamp, I'm on Instagram, all that shit. Did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't have anything outside of, you know, the band to plug or whatever. You know, people can send me money and I'll buy a lot of cat food for feral cats or something. But <laughs> I don't really have, you know, I don't have, really have anything. Okay, I'm stopping again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just don't even uh, well that that's all hard good to say goodbye. it's just it's so hard to say goodbye we keep rambling <laughs> support your local feral cat uh fund uh so they can get some food but um thank you yes. so much for coming on i i really appreciate it uh this has been eight bells legacy of ruin is out now you can go pick it up and that'll do it for this chapter of the diary. So stay safe out there and please don't like burn up into nothing or get, you know, I don't even orthopedic know. Orthopedic injuries. There you go. No more orthopedic injuries. <laughs> we're staying dry. It's raining, but we're staying dry.